tad bit busy in here to be doing something like that, don't you think? I mean, there's only one 14 pound ball left. Everyone else is using them. So maybe you shouldn't just hog it for yourself, huh? So if all the 14 pound balls are in use, why am I the one hogging one? <laughs> That's because you're the one being selfish and doing a circuit with your ball. All right, look, man, why don't I tell you what? When I'm done here and I go on to my next exercise, you can use the ball until I come back. What do you say, compromise? Yeah, no, no, no. That's not really gonna work with what I need to use that ball for. So you just continue to use it and be selfish. <laughs> Look, man, we don't need to get to name calling here. I offered a compromise. Hmm, I would say that selfish is more of a character trait than a name to be called, but you know, I wouldn't have to go there if you weren't, uh, oh, I don't know, arrogant and insensitive and selfish. <laughs> you seem triggered. Triggered, triggered, I am triggered. You triggered me. Only care about yourself and your Well, it's a good thing that only one of us is triggered here. Otherwise, it could get ugly. Is that a threat? What are you gonna impose physical violence on me? No, no, that's not a threat, not at all. I was attempting to point out that while well, there's two people triggered here, there's two very different responses to that trigger and how we're choosing to feed it with emotional energy. That's all. Are you trying to say that I am responsible for my triggers? You triggered me. I didn't trigger me. You triggered me. How dare you claim that I am responsible for my emotional response to my triggers? It's not my fault. It's not my trauma that I gave to myself. Actually, man, I used to think just like you. I used to let my trauma get in the way and I used to let my emotional triggers allow me to go into a childlike state of existence and blame everyone else for the way I was behaving. And it was a convenient excuse, I thought, until I realized that the only person I was harming with my behavior was myself. Now, have you ever thought about- No, 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 you are wrong. You are wrong. It's science. We have no control over our emotions when we're triggered. And how come I didn't just tell you to go f yourself then? Thank you for tuning into the Sovereign Mind, Body and Soul podcast live stream with Coach Jerry. I am your host, Coach Jerry, and I'd like to welcome you all to my show. This is where I share my heart and soul. And my whole mission here is to help people find the sovereignty of true health and ultimately liberate themselves from the dependency on pharma, pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, pharma and Western medical. So that's mainly the main premise behind my brand, guys, behind my business. That's what I do. And really, the, the truth sets you free as long as you're open to receive the medicine. And we've proved that time and time again. I apologize. I'm trying to get my bearings straight here. I just got done doing some recording. And I was actually recording for next week's podcast intro video to that. And I got kind of dark dark with that when I went to some places that I don't generally share with people some, some deep, deep... Uh, inner thoughts and uh, that whole battling of the inner critic and the voices in your head and, and what have you. So really getting at a point in my life where I'm getting real comfortable expressing just about anything with you guys and, and with anybody that cares to listen. It's all part of my story. It's all part of who I am and anything that I share with you, anything that I've struggled with in the past and have been able to dismantle and integrate into my, into my life. Uh, I know there's someone out there that's going through something similar. So I have to be a big boy and share that stuff. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of in a different mental state right now than I usually am at the start of a podcast, which is great. Actually, I like this challenge. So that being said, we're going to open up comments here. That being said, so today, um, hey, what's up? Whoever that is. I'm sorry, guys, I can't see. Are you champion? Yeah, you guys are just the best. You guys are so awesome. I love you guys. Um, 
But today's focus is triggers. And uh, that little intro video was actually kind of loosely based on a real life experience that I had last week. I will share that with you. I had a couple experiences where people were triggered by me. And that's obviously not something I'm foreign to <laughs> in my life. But thank God I've, I've uncovered, um, uncovered some great tools on how to source people's core motivations and understand where they're coming from. And, and part of that is dismantling your triggers and dismantling your emotional responses to things. So it is our responsibility, in my opinion, to manage our emotional state and manage our thoughts and, and manage our response to our triggers. And we just look at the word responsibility. It's your ability to respond. Now, the reason why I started this podcast or why I decided to use do this particular topic today was because a couple of weeks back, I posted something about a conversation that I had in a DM with a type four. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, type fours are very emotional. And uh, a lot of times they're, they're you know, they, they don't operate on a lot of objectivity or, or foundational, foundational guidance in their opinions and perspectives. And that's not a knock. I mean, it's just, they're just run by their emotional body. So anyway, I got in this little DM exchange with this type four and uh, I'm a type eight. So that's not always a good mix, especially when there's different perspectives. But basically the whole point of the post was, you know, was that there were a couple of people triggered and one person really didn't control their, their emotions and emotional response to the triggers. And uh, what surprised me was through the comments, how much people were defending uh, and maybe I was misinterpreting what you were saying, but I don't think I was. And that's because I know what the common science says behind our triggers and, and neuroscience and what have you. And it's vastly misinterpreted and vastly misrepresented. And I can say that with utmost confidence because I put it to the test with myself and with clients and also following um, following the advice of other experts that that disagree with that perspective and that stance. And I've seen I've seen the truth unfold and, and it just on from a logical standpoint to say that we are slaves to our triggers more or less is, is a ridiculous notion. Now, what I will agree with, and I think this is the whole premise behind the science is that, that while, while these engrams that get, get programmed into our mind, these responses that get stored in our body, um, well, yeah, that once they get stored and we create this engram, then of course, you know, we're going to be subject to that that trigger response whenever a similar stimulus stimulus presents itself to us. But the misnomer and the misguided part of that is that we're just a slave to them as if we can't control our response after that. And that's total malarkey. It's total hogwash. And if you, if you're the type of person that's really latching onto that, I want to ask you, how is that working for you? Like, how is that playing out in your life? Just being the only one in your circle, being the only one in your family, being the only one on social media that's allowed to say whatever the fuck they want because they were triggered. Now, if we take a look around what's going on in the world, we can see that's a giant problem now, can't we? Right? People's emotions are all of a sudden dictating policies and laws. You're not allowed to say what's really on your mind because it might trigger somebody. In other words, someone might choose to not take the responsibility in using their ability to respond adequately. So since that's the case, you have to watch what you say. All right? That's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. That's not how we advance as a species. That's not how we advance as individuals. And that's how we keep ourselves stuck. And if there's one thing that I can say that uh, is a big part of anything I do with clients, it's getting people unstuck. And this inability to manage our emotions, this inability to, uh, to integrate our triggers into our life is keeping us all stuck. And if you guys that are stuck or people that are stuck want to keep the rest of us stuck, yeah, you can go pound sand. 
that plan is not going to work. It's the whole crabs in the pot. It's the whole equity thing. Like all of that, it all ties in, right? Crabs in the pot. You don't need to put a lid on a pot, on a crab pot. If you got more than two crabs in there, because one crab tries to crawl out, the other one's going to try to try to pull them in. Some of you might be triggered by that, right? It might be news to you that you're not a victim and that is your responsibility to use your ability to respond to your emotional triggers. Now there is a, there is a definite process that you can utilize to make that happen. It's not something that just happens overnight. Right. And, and another thing is a lot of like, a lot of your triggers are your triggers and they're going to be your triggers for the foreseeable future. Right. But we got to know how to measure our progress on those triggers. So if a trigger hits you that normally would have affected you for a whole day, multiple days, a month, a year, right? But you figured out how to dismantle and integrate that trigger into your life, then it might only affect you for a few moments, maybe a few hours. Maybe it's really bad up to a day, okay? And this goes up and down the line for PTSD, for severe trauma, what have you. The same principles apply. The same principles apply. It's just the duration and the timeline to get that trigger integrated or dismantled out of your life and your response ability integrated into your life might take a little bit longer depending on what the trauma is. So as a lot of you guys know, trauma is a hot button right now. And you know, it's something that people talk about at length. Every one of us have trauma. We live in a traumatic world. We live in a world that we didn't evolve or weren't created to live in. And it's, you know, something that I call, um, modernity induced psychosis. <laughs> and I use that term because it's like, you know, it's an impactful term. Do we have psychosis? Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of people do. Yeah. But you know, as a whole, like on some level, I would say, yeah, like if I'm just being honest, because we weren't, we weren't created to live in this environment with this kind of, this kind of stimulus. And what, what the psychosis is, is really is thinking that it's normal to be in this environment and that it's normal to be sad a lot. And it's normal to be anxious a lot. That's not, that's not how we're created. It's not how we're living. And that's why we're experiencing so much disease. And in fact, if you follow, um, if you follow influencers or experts like, you know, Dr. Gabor Mate, the stuff that he says, it sounds so fringe. And so uh, I guess against the grain, like when you actually think about it, it's very, very logical, very reasonable. Just, uh, you know, just his take on like multiple sclerosis and those myelinic disorders and, and other diseases, you know, and how it ties into our body's overall stress load. Like, why is that hard to imagine for people? Why is it hard to fathom for people? But it really is, you know, but that all ties into that modern induced modernity induced psychosis and central sensitivity, central sensitization, physiological load. As I've said, you guys can go back to any of my old podcasts, any of my old content. It all boils down to that central sensitization, that physiological load. Like, what can you handle? What can you absorb right now? What is trauma? Trauma is, is an imprint that we put in our body, Right to remember a dangerous situation. In other words, like basically we were not equipped to handle the stimulus presented. Now, whether that be acute trauma, like a car wreck, we weren't equipped to handle hitting a tree at 60 miles an hour. Well, yeah, that's going to induce trauma. But no matter, no matter what your situation is, like we've got some trauma, we all have trauma. But when we think about what trauma is, it's something that we weren't ready to endure at the moment that it happened to us, right? So our body, however you want to, however you want to state it, or however you want to verbalize it, right? It compartmentalizes that trauma, right? Um, and that's when it, we start talking about somatic storage, right? Engram creation, um, 
if you're not familiar with what n-grams are, not enneagram, like I'm always talking about, n-grams, like if you think about like uh, like what a record player does, right? So it's, I know if I've got this Beatles album and I put it on the third on the third groove over, it's always going to play Let It Be. No matter what record player I'm on, like if I do that, it's going to play that song, right? Well, the engrams are the same in our body when we experience a traumatic event, you know, that body creates a neural pattern. So we remember that, right? We remember that threat. We were not prepared for that. And that's just like creating a groove on a record for us. And then when something comes along that's similar, that mimics that, that reminds us of that, then we go and we put the needle on the record and we play that song, right? Because so-and-so said this, that must mean that um, this, so I'm going to respond this way. I'm triggered. So when you see someone that's triggered and they're just losing their shit, what's happening is you said or did something that reminded them of something that happened to them in their life that they weren't prepared for at the time. Their body compartmentalized it. They went into somatic storage or however you want to term it. And they never unpacked it and they never dismantled it and they never integrated it. And because that didn't happen, when you said or did what you said or did, they chose to grab the, the, the needle on the record player and place it right on that third groove and play Let It Be. Right. And we live in a world where that's supposed to be your responsibility as a person who said it and did it. Right. Now, obviously, I want to piggyback onto that is, is uh, yes, we should be mindful to be kind. Right. I mean, it's never one of my rules is it's never OK to be mean, no matter what you have to say or no matter what you feel about a situation, it's never okay to be mean. Like, and think about that. Like if someone breaks into your house, right. And is going to try to steal something from you or harm someone in your family. And you know, you, you stand your ground, so to speak, and, and you harm them physically. Were you mean there? No, you weren't mean. So mean is crossing the line. The mean is, is going past the point of necessary response, right? Response ability, my ability to respond. If I overexpress my response, I don't have my, the proper ability for this situation. See how this works. And we have control over that. Oh, pause due to poor connection. Sure. Instagram. Sure. Um, so that, that, that's, that's where we're at when we're triggered, right? It's the angram response. And that's due to a traumatic event. And because we live in this modern world where we don't get to sit by the campfire and sing songs like we, like we did back in ancient times, where we're probably not waking up with the sun and, and, you know, staring at the sky, having reverence for God's creation and talking to the plants and the animals and, and what have you. We don't have that time to decompress and get back to our essence on a daily basis. So we have this day where we never get to essence. We never touch base with God. We never, we never do our shadow work. We don't do our inner, inner work. We don't have deep, meaningful prayer sessions, you know, because our life catches up to us. And then the next day happens and something else happens and something else happens. And we never unpack these things that we compartmentalize. And, and on a physical level, on a physiological level, on a metaphysical level, our body stores that shit and it creates all these engrams in our body, right? I've seen people, I've seen people that like had subconscious, like traumatic responses that were so, it's what we call the moral reflex, like, duh, 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 right? It's like a baby when they're falling asleep and they, right? That's the moral reflex, right? We get that programmed out of us. But if we have like a lot of trauma or inability to respond to situations or inability to unpack and dismantle and integrate that trauma uh, or those engrams, right? We maintain that moral response for life. So I see people that have that like, and their breathing pattern locks up, the respiration goes up and it could be something super simple, like a noise from a car door. 
right? And another like addendum to that is obviously like everybody's trauma is different. The worst things ever happened to you is the worst things ever happened to you. But there are some people that have experienced and seen some things that are horrific and would be traumatic to any one of us. None of us would have been prepared for it. So I want to just make sure that you guys understand that I understand that. And when I'm talking about these situations, I'm not really talking about those. All right. Again, where I work with people is in between the area of pain and injury. Okay. I'm not talking about these severe cases. I'm not talking about when I'm talking about back pain, I'm not talking about the person who got in a car wreck and destroyed 14 vertebrae in their spine. Right. And when I'm talking about trauma and emotional intelligence, I'm not talking about that person that's been to war and seen hundreds of people killed or experienced bad abuse or something like that, because that, that, the, their cases belong in the hands of someone else. I'm a coach, right? So keep that in mind before you get in the comments and, you know, start sharing your experience as a psychologist or what have you. Like, I get that. I get that. Okay. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that have the ability to take nice, nice, normal events, compartmentalize them, never unpack them, create all these engrams that we call triggers, and then blame you for triggering them. That's who I'm talking to. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. All right. So that being said, I hope that's kind of a, a rough overview of rough overview of what I'm talking about here and what I'm getting at. So that's what I'm getting at. Now, again, for those of you that really buy into that scientific stuff where it's like you create this pattern and you're a slave to it, like jump in the comments. Let's let any questions you have or anything I'm not clearing up, or if you think I'm wrong, put it in the comments. We'll address it. We'll address it. So again, there's there's a huge difference in saying that you'll never get triggered or you can, you can prevent yourself from being triggered and, uh, and saying that, no, though you will be triggered, you have the ability to respond in a way that is best for you and the people around you. Cause at the end of the day, nobody wants to be that person that nobody wants to hang out with, right. That nobody wants to spend time with because we got to create space for other people, right. Cause it's not just about us. If I don't clear up my own closet, if I don't clean up my own mess, if I don't look at my own shadows, right, then I become a child and everybody else in my world is an adult. And I expect everybody else to be the adult in my life. And I think we can look around and objectively say that we've gotten ourselves in a situation where not only is that popular, but that's encouraged. Mental illness has is, is gotten to a point to where, depending on what the mental illness is, if the mental illness serves a social agenda, then we'll, we won't admit it's a mental illness. But if a mental illness addressing a mental illness serves a social agenda, then we will go ahead and address it. So that's where we're at. And that's a terrible ability to respond to anything. Okay. So we can't operate from a, from a shaky foundation of inability to respond starting there. Okay. With our, with our culture and our, 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 our social life. Okay. So that being said, I want to share a couple examples of you. Maybe, you know, I can sit here and yak my jaws all I want, but like sometimes it's just help to hear, helpful to hear a real life example. So I'm going to share with you a couple of real life examples that I had this last week. Let's see. First one was, let's see, a simple one, right? So simple one. I'm in a Walmart parking lot a couple of weeks ago and, and it's like 7, 10 in the morning. I stopped there to get, get like some water and what else did I need? Some band-aids or something like that. Some water and some band-aids. Seven in the morning. There's no one in the freaking Walmart parking lot, right? So I'm parking, I don't know if you've ever been to Walmart here in Missoula, but you know, they've got the, they've got the stripes painted a certain way. So you got to park a certain way and you got to get out and leave a certain way and what have you. Well, it's seven in the morning. I'm not following those rules. Right. So I back out of this spot and I'm going the wrong way and I go to back out and here's a car coming up. Right. And she's looking at me and it's the end of the world. She is triggered, dude. She is absolutely fucking triggered. Like rolling her eyes, throwing her hands in the air. She's got kids and dogs in the car. Like it's the end of the world. Seven, 10 lady, like 
calm down, right? So I'm going the wrong way. She's going the right way. Well, there's plenty of room for four cars. There are only two of us. No one are in these parking spots. Like no harm, no foul. Like just come on, lady, come on through and I'll get past you, right? So I look at her and she's looking at me like, what are you doing, right? Immediately, I'm like, this is a type one type one on the Enneagram. Like this is the perfectionist. This is, I got to be a good person. I got to do the right thing. Right. Plain as day. If not a one, she got a high one in her. Okay. So I look at her and I know what's going on and I'm trying not to mess with her. Right. Just like, don't, don't do anything. It's going to just set her off. She got her kids with her. Right. So I just look at her and I wave her on (laughs) and she looks at me like, and then she rolls her window down to stick her head out and says, you're going the wrong way. Right. And I just looked at her and I pointed at the big open spot next to her. And I was like, watch this. And I just went around her, gave her a thumbs up and waved. Right. She's like losing her shit when I did it. Now I get how it could appear passive aggressive, but I can swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear to Jesus. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was literally me going into coach mode and being like, everything's going to be okay. Just watch this everything's fine, right? Of course, it had the opposite effect. I can't do anything about how she manages her response to her triggers, right? Now, was I in the wrong there? I was going the wrong way, 100% admit it. 100% admit it, I was going the wrong way. There's no one in the freaking parking lot. No one in the freaking parking lot. So the way I see it is, no, I'm not doing anything wrong. Of course, that's subjective, right? I don't have the, the highest type one in me. I got a lot of one, but not a whole bunch, okay? So, so that's one example. The other example I want to share with you. So, so how does that apply to real life, right? What didn't she do? Well, what she didn't do is sit there and recognize why am I triggered? What within me am I creating with my energy? What energy am I creating? What am I labeling it as, right? So if I were to speak for her and guess for her, I would say she created this energy within her, right? That she labeled as the emotion of pissed off. Right. And the thought that she attached to that emotion of pissed off was this guy's an idiot. Something like that. Right. And the whole thing, the way a type one, a perfectionist operates is their core motivation in life. Right. Is to be a good person and do the right thing. So I violated her core motivation. So she saw a projection in me. Right. Anytime she does anything wrong, so it just sets her off, right? Because I'm threatening her core motivation to be a good person, do everything right, and do everything perfect. And all that in a matter of like 35 seconds, 40 seconds, right? Um, That this is all going on in her mind and body and soul. And instead of being like, okay, what is this? Oh, I'm sensing like my irritation when I see somebody doing something wrong, right? And I've labeled him as stupid or any, you know, a bad person or what have you. And she didn't dismantle that. She didn't, she didn't realize the label that she placed on the energy that she had created and a thought that she had attached to it so that she could put an emotion to it. So she did all those things. She created all that stuff. But my guess is she blamed me for it. I don't create any energy in you. Nobody creates energy in you. You create it all. What is an emotion? Emotion is energy in motion. What creates emotions? We do. Generally in response to a stimulus or a thought. Thought hits, engram plays, third groove, let it be by the Beatles, starts playing in our head, and we just go to repeat. This is what I do. So that's what she did, okay? What she could have done, like I said, like trace that back, figure out what emotion she played, what energy she created and why, what label did I place on that energy, what thought led to that label or that energy being created and that label being placed on there, and what does that say about what I'm threatened by right now? What is the threat? 
There isn't one, right? So if she was able to do that, dismantle that, then she can compartmentalize that dismantled version of the event and unpack it further later. But because she probably compartmentalized it full bore without any sort of dismantling, without any sort of reframing, without any sort of perspective management. And again, I don't know if she did this or not. She might be the most put together person I've ever met. I'm just saying. Because she didn't do that, she likely compartmentalized it in its raw form. And that's the loudest. That's the hardest to unpack. Okay. So there's a system to this. There's a process to this. The other example I want to share with you is kind of along the lines of the intro video that I played. And uh, so, oh, what was it like today's Monday? So it was like three days ago, four days ago. And then it was like Thursday or Friday. I'm at the gym and I'm going through a circuit. And uh, actually, I was about ready to start a circuit. And it was pretty busy. It was very busy. This last Monday was a holiday. That's what it was. It was pretty busy in there. And I was about, about I was, I was lifting on the platform and I was about ready to start a circuit. And this lady, I've been watching this lady a little bit. I'm a people watcher in the gym, but this particular lady had a different energy, like an anxious energy, right? And so I'm attracted to energy and, and the anxious energy had me curious. So <laughs> I'm not surprised at all that I attracted a conversation with her, okay? So I'm just minding my own business, working out. And I watch her, she's bouncing around six, seven different stations, right? She's going to one station, doing a set or two, going to a different station, doing a set or two, and just kind of bouncing around. I can tell she has no plan for her workout, right? Which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with just going through an intuitive training session, but that's what she was doing. I was not. I had a very intentional training session that I was going through. And uh, so by the time she gets over to where I'm at, she's ready for my stuff, right? And if you guys have been in the gym, you probably know how this is going to go. So she looks at me. <laughs> How dare you not follow painted arrows? I know, I know, I know. Here's another thing. If there's a stop sign in a parking lot and there's no one around, I don't stop. I know, I know, it's crazy. So this lady comes up and she she asked me, how, you know, how much longer you got on that? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm about ready to start a circuit. And she goes, oh, it's like 10 minutes. And it was like a suggestive question right? It wasn't a asking. <laughs> it was, yeah, sh I'll shush. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't asking. It was pretty much suggesting that I take no longer than 10 minutes. So I, I just kind of chuckled at her. Like, again, that's kind of the way I roll. Like, I don't mean to piss people off. It's just my soul coming out. I thought it was funny. Well, she thought I was laughing at her, I think, because she got a little more elevated after I chuckled. And I said, nah, I don't know what, whatever you got going on, I can pretty much guarantee when you're done, I'll still be here. Right. And my, my, kind of my like drawing a boundary being like, all right, don't ask any more questions. This is my space. Don't worry about it. Like do your thing. And uh, she didn't like that. So she kind of rolled her eyes and said, it's a little busy in here to be doing a circuit, isn't it? And I just looked at her and the way she said it was kind of authoritative. So I, I asked her, I go, who are you? And she was blown away. And she said, I, what do you, what? And I said, who are you? And she said, I'm just someone in here that's trying to get a workout in. And I said, so am I. Nice to meet you. I put my hand out. Kind of sheepishly touched it. Like almost like she's afraid she'd get COVID or something from my hands. Maybe she follows my content. Maybe she knows I, you know, not being under the COVID thing. Um, so, so I was like, you know what? I wasn't thinking my bad. Tell you what, since I'm doing a circuit, I'm doing three or four exercises. I'll only be here like 25 to 33% of the time. Why don't you take the platform while I'm doing my other exercises? And then we can just share. 
It's like, nah, there's two of us, so that it really isn't going to work out, right? Notice the theme here. Notice the theme here. She wanted me to stop what I was doing so she could do what she was doing, but it doesn't matter what I had planned. What I offered for a compromise wasn't good enough, right? So I'll, I'm all of a sudden selfish because I won't give everything up for her. So she says, that's not really going to work. There's two of us. And I said, well, that's crazy. I work out with four or five big college football players or college and high school football players on that right there. That platform right there works all the time. I promise it'll work. Let's go. I'll set, help you set up. Nope. It wouldn't have anything to do with it. So I realized where this was going. So I said, okay, suit yourself. Have a good workout. And, and that could have been it. Could have been done. But then she says, I think you're just a little bit inconsiderate. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> and she says, I just think you're being inconsiderate right now. It's busy in here and you know it. And so I just said to her, I, I said, you know what I think is inconsiderate is that I watched you go through six or seven different stations and you didn't have to wait once. And I don't detect one ounce of gratitude that you got through six or seven different stations in this busy ass gym without having to wait until the, until your like eighth exercise. So I see there's room for gratitude there. So I think that's a little bit inconsiderate. And also what's inconsiderate is I've been here for 45 minutes. And you think that I should just drop whatever I'm doing to give, give you this platform because you're ready for it. Well, 45 minutes is a long time you're spending on one area. I go, yeah, that's true. But I came in here knowing what I wanted to do because I knew it was going to be busy and I just wanted to do a barbell circuit. And I knew that because I'm doing a barbell circuit, I would just be in one place for my whole workout. Now I don't have to worry about getting my workout in or not. So there's a couple other exchanges and, you know, I did, definitely didn't get rude at all. But through this whole time, she continues to get escalated, continues to get escalated, right? And I didn't because it wasn't necessary. I wasn't angry. I wasn't threatened. <laughs> and so I didn't get escalated whatsoever. And it ended with, well, just so you know, I work here. <laughs> so I looked at her. And I said, good for you. Good for you. Thank you for helping people get healthier working at a gym. That's very, that's very big of you. So I got done and I was like, you know, you can do better. So I looked around and, and the lady next to me actually knew. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I share this with you? And I was like, I think I pissed her off. And she's like, oh yeah, by all means. I moved all my stuff over, got the entire platform all cleaned up, nice and nice and shiny. And I went and found her, made it a point to find her. We're talking maybe three minutes later. And I say to her, yeah, hey, it's all ready for you. Spick and span, nice and clean. And she's like, thank you. And I was like, you're welcome. And uh, I was at the gym for another hour. Boy, she didn't go near that platform. So again, that was just two people that were triggered. I was triggered. And one of us took the opportunity to use ability to respond. Now, maybe she did too. Maybe she... Normally, if she hadn't been mindful about how she was responding, would have lost her shit. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you, and that's what kind of the end of that, that intro video, you know, I hope you weren't offended by it. But that's why I put that in there is because people that get triggered, they don't realize that you might be triggered too. And just because there's only one of you losing your shit, they really feel that you're not triggered. Right. But they don't realize that you actually just kind of were a doll about the situation and 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 decided to not let your triggers affect your behavior and dismantle it. And so that's really one of what I wanted to ask her is like, well, why didn't I tell you to just go F yourself? Because that was my first thought, if I'm being honest, you know, went to my lower self and I just want to tell her to go F off. But I didn't. Oh, that's a good one. But I didn't. Right. 
And in fact, I went through my little process, my little process that I teach my clients, and that's dismantling it. You're triggered. Why? Right. Well, my false core is weakness, vulnerability, losing control. It's like, are you weak? Nope. Vulnerable? Nope. Losing control? Nah, a little bit. She's trying to take it. How important is it you maintain control here? Well, I got to keep my station because this is where I'm working out. And what's the point of what's the point of establishing an area to work out if you're just going to give it to the first person who wants it, who has no plan? <laughs> well, so yeah, so it's justified. Is anger warranted here? Nope. Nope. Is uh, maybe being a little stoic warranted here? Yeah, I think that's the proper response. Why? Because this person's serious and authoritative and they think they, for some reason, have the authority in this situation. So let them have the authority. Just hit them with truth over and over and over again. Just hit them with truth and questions. So that's the approach I took. And it worked. It worked fine. Come to find out nobody recognized her and not sure if she works there or not. We'll put that out there. So, But again, that's something where in the past, same trigger, same trigger, right? The reason why I have a trigger around any time that I sense that somebody's trying to take advantage of me or trying to expose vulnerability or overpower me or to take control away from me, like that comes from my childhood. That comes from my triggers, my emotional trauma coming up. Those of you guys that aren't familiar, like my mom just up and left. I was an only child. My dad was working, you know, trying to fund two homes. And, and I was a stay-at-home, my own stay-at-home mom. I was a stay-at-home son. I'm an only child, literally the only child at home. It was me and mom. It was great. Mom just set it up one day. I'm gone, right? I, that was when I was seven years old. I'm 44 now. I've seen her twice since. That's pretty traumatic, right? My father decided to deal with that in his own little way where he wasn't around. And I'm not going to go into that too much right now because you guys know my story. And if you don't, it's on my other podcast. But um, but that's my story, like behind threats and safety and security and being supported or not, right? Or feeling like something's missing in your life or not. And so in the past, I would have just lost my shit. Like I would have made it a point not only to let her know that she has no place to take anything from me, but I would have made it a point to make a scene in the gym to where anybody in the gym would know that all five foot seven, 154 pounds of me <laughs> is not to be messed with, right? Because I've done, but I've done work. I've studied this stuff and I've been exposed to the BS around like a lot of stuff that's out there in the site game. To be honest with you, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not here to bash, but it's disempowering to say the least. We'll say it that we'll put it that way. All right. So that was my experience with that. Um, I just got to, I just got to check this comment out here. The gym police, you may get a ticket for using a machine you paid to use. Isn't that right? Yeah. It wasn't even a machine, dude. It was freeway. It's like there's four squat racks in there. And I was using like an open platform doing, I think it was power cleans, clean and jerks. That's what I was doing. And uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I, you know, I did ask her this too was I asked her if there was, if she went and talked to the other three people that were working out at the same time I was because I knew they were there when I got to my station and they were still there. And so again, it comes up to, it's like, it's not a matter of how long you've been here occupying a station. No, 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 no. It's the fact that I want this one and you're on it. So come on, give it to me. So that's really where she was at, but it's fine. She's human. Like we all have our moments, but speaking of gym police, I was talking to somebody about this story and in case some of you don't know, I got the cops called on me a couple summers ago at a local gym here because I would not wear a mask while I was working out. That's a different story. But let's just say the police were not impressed with the young man who called the cops on me because they could have been doing other things. But OK, so those are my recent experience with triggers um, and in real life. And so what she could have done there is she could have realized that 
let's say she is a type one. Let's say she is a perfectionist. Let's say she is thinks that the the most important thing in the world is to do the right thing. It's subjective, but we don't talk about that. To do the right thing and to be a good person. Let's say that is her, right? And what she saw in me is somebody not doing the right thing and not being a good person. So she felt justified to write that injustice. And that's where she was at, I think. If she is that type one in the Enneagram, that's probably somewhere near where she was at in her, in her headspace. And so that's probably why she felt justified. What she could have done differently is she could have said, is there perfect in this situation? Is there such thing as a good person and a bad person in this situation? Right? And if there is, did she take enough time to figure out what the actual story was to figure out if she was right or if she wasn't? That's how the dismantling process works. How is my false core influencing this right now? And her false core would be that there's something wrong with her or that she's a bad person. And so... While she did, obviously wasn't thinking she was a bad person in that situation, seeing somebody be a bad person in front of her reminds her of what she doesn't like about herself or what she wants to change about herself. Again, this is all hypothetical. This is all, we're just, we're jamming here. We're rapping. So what she could have done is ask herself those questions, right? Am I projecting my imperfection onto him? Is there really a threat here? Is there really a threat to my status as being a good person, to doing the right thing? And what is the right thing in this situation? To confront somebody? She might think so. She might think that she's confronting somebody that has got a habit of occupying too much space and time in the gym, and she's going to take it upon herself. But again, to figure out if that's actually the case, she needs to do some questions. She needs to ask some questions. And that's how the dismantle and integration process works, a part of it. So she didn't take the time to do that. She allowed herself to remain triggered, and she allowed those triggers to affect her behavior, which wasn't very flattering. Um, so yeah, so there's that. So like I mentioned before, like these things come up and like this is just what I saw in her was just a summation of her life's trauma, a summation of her pattern in her life not producing desirable results. Okay, so no matter what she does in life, she can't quite find perfect. No matter what she does in life, she still sees people doing the wrong thing. She still sees herself doing the wrong thing. She still feels like a bad person from time to time. So this is what we call getting stuck in our pattern. Right. And the whole illusion behind that is thinking that our personality can meet our soul's mission. We use our personality, right, to distract ourselves from the things that are really important. Our ego, right? We use our ego to distract ourselves from things that are really important based on a false premise that, A, I have to be perfect. Or for me, I have to be strong. I can't ever be vulnerable. I've always got to be in control. We all got our thing. Right. We all got our thing. And the more aware you are of it, the more you can actually trace it and you can actually dismantle it. But if you don't know that about yourself, like if you have a false core of inadequate, not worthy, um, stupid, weak, imperfect. And you don't know what your core is, but you've got some of a bunch of those different ones playing in you. But you don't know that your core one, like your main one is weakness, vulnerability, right? If you don't know that, then you don't know what to trace and dismantle. And if you don't know what to trace and dismantle, you're left with dismantling and tracing events in your life, which that's important. I mentioned this in the past. Tracing traumatic events are very important, right? But if I go trace back to like a feeling, like an, a, a, a situation of neglect, abuse, cruelty, right? 
something like that. And I don't realize that even though that was objectively traumatic would be objectively traumatic to anyone based on what my core motivations are and the things that I'm least willing to feel in my entire life. Every event that happened after that just adds to that trauma through that lens of my false core, my biggest vulnerabilities, the things I'm least willing to feel. So that all adds to our stress load. And like I said earlier, tying this back into the beginning of the show, if you take a look at like the works of Dr. Gabor Mate and what he talks about, it ties right into like holistic health concepts. It ties right in to biohacking. It ties right into all that stuff. And basically it all ties into honor your health and your mind, body, and soul. Honor your health and your mind, body, and soul. If you've got a polluted body and you develop MS, an MS drug is just going to give you more pollution. It might stave off symptoms for a while, but at the end of the day, let's get rid of the pollution and see what happens. Okay. Let's see. Talked about all that. All right. And the last thing I want to talk about, so I've talked about a lot. I understand like save the show, watch it several times. If it was just kind of like all over the place for you, I get it. I get it. I can bounce around for sure. I try not to, but you know, it's something I do. Um, but I think it all ties in, like all this stuff ties in. You got trauma, which is stuff we're not prepared for. It creates engrams. Those engrams create a trigger. And right there is where the work starts when that trigger hits, right? So as we unpack that stuff, right, as I unpack my, my response to my triggers and I form actual intentional ways to respond to my triggers, then I actually empower myself. I'm not being run by my triggers. I am in control of how I, how I interact with the world, how I interface with, with the world. Uh, that lowers my physiological load, lowers my stress. If I can experience anxiety, anger, depression, and realize that I have created an emotion in response to something and I've put a label on that, then I realize that I have control over what label I put on it. And you can actually go in there and make the energy completely disappear. And I'm not even going to attempt to confuse you with that drill, but it's a huge part of my program with my clients. So you can actually make that energy that you created disappear. All of that lowers your physiological load as opposed to just packing it away, compartmentalizing it, never unpacking it, letting it be part of your trigger response system, right? And every time something comes up, you're constantly putting these triggers back, that moral reflex all day, all night. So you see how the exchange is there between just letting your triggers run your life, letting your engrams run your life, and actually being intentional with what you do with those triggers, your ability to respond to those triggers, you're actually creating an energy surplus as opposed to an energy deficit. That's going to lower your central sensitivity, right? Your central sensitization, which is our ability to withstand pain in our entire body. How many people have physical pain in their entire body? Doctors can't source it. They don't know what's wrong. All they do is throw drugs at them. But really, this is just stored trauma in the body that needs to get released. Challenge me on that. I dare you. I'm not triggered. I was trying to act tough, you know. So, so we got all that. Again, that creates a trigger. Our personality is what we use to pretend like we don't get triggered or we're fine. We're not affected by our triggers. Or, ah, I don't have trauma, right? And then we end up living for three, four decades in between that area of pain and injury. And then we finally get injured and we go see a doctor, right? Instead of seeing someone like me when you're in between pain and injury to keep you from needing to go to the doctor, just throwing that out there. Um, but the last thing is like repression versus expression, right? All of this, all of this boils down to our ability to express ourselves. What we keep in our body is what keeps us sick, right? A feeling buried alive never dies. And, you know, this whole like, this whole like packing things away, compartmentalizing and never unpacking them. Just realize that if that is your strategy, 
someone in your life has influenced you in a way to make you think, feel, believe, intuit, emote, whatever you want to say, opine, that your what you have to express isn't worth expressing. And for in my work with people, like in the Enneagram work, like a lot of times they have like a low eight score. I'm a type eight, low eight score in their Enneagram profile. And that says like, you know, you've been told that you're not allowed to be angry. You've been told that you're not allowed to express your emotions. And, but we have to, we are expressive beings. If we sock it inside, we're just going to make ourselves sick. Okay. So we're ex expressive beings. We're not repressive beings. So to really take a look at like where you are holding back your expression of yourself, do you find yourself constantly biting your tongue, right? Do you bite your tongue because you just don't know how to communicate very well? Well, there's exercises and, and drills you can do to, to correct that. But if that's really the case, like you are not good at communicating work on that, right? But if you aren't speaking your truth or your mind because someone has told you that it's not valid, or you believe deep down for some reason that it's not valid, take a look at that. You're just making yourself sick. You're just making yourself sick. I had a meeting with a client and this client has had issues in the past with, with taking action on things that they know is good for them, that they know is best for them. And, and, you know, they call it lazy or they call it, you know, emotional roller coasters or exhausted or, you know, whatever, a whole bunch of different terminologies for it. But basically this is an expression thing. So I asked her, I was like, I was like, Let's say you got a friend and his friend gives a speech in front of a group that you're a part of. And, you know, it's 20 of you at the group. And the speech is horrible. It's terrible. Like nothing about it was good. It was boring, hard to listen to, the whole nine yards. And they come in and ask you, how was the speech? Are you going to be able to tell them exactly what you think? And she was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> no, not going to be able to do that, right? And like we were able to unpack that as selfish. That's selfish because the real reason why we're not doing that is because we don't want to feel uncomfortable about delivering the truth. There's something about ourselves that we believe is not worthy of expression. Right? So if you can't even tell someone the honest truth about what you think or what you feel when they ask for it, where else are you holding back your ability to express yourself in life? Right? So for her, it starts with that little stuff, but it was manifesting in you know, starting and stopping things, not seeing things to completion, learning things and not applying them to her life, that type of stuff. But really that is just showing how not getting our expressive body out, not communicating ourselves like our fifth chakra stuff, right? Our throat chakra stuff. How, you know, not paying attention to that, not being in tune with that can really make us sick, really make us sick. But anyway, I know that's a whole lot to throw at you guys, but to be honest with you, this is a pretty in-depth topic and it's a pretty hot button topic right now. And I see a lot of influencers and, you know, some of my own friends on here. I mean, I had people like throwing scientific terminology at me, blah, 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 blah. And so I DM'd them. I'm like, who are you using these concepts with? In other words, who have you helped with this information? Nobody. The answer was nobody. They haven't applied it, not even to themselves. So don't, push in my face a scientific theory or concept or something you've read that you haven't tried on yourself first and on multiple people afterwards. Everything I'm sharing with you today is a big part of my personal development, my, my personal battle with trauma, my personal integration process, individuation process, which I've also shared with dozens of clients. This isn't just something I'm pulling out of my ass as a hypothetical, or I read this or I read that. Right. Good reference for you. Dr. Gabriel Mate, the body says no in the realm of hungry ghosts. In the realm of hungry ghosts is more of like a, like a human interest 
type documentary type book, but it's fascinating. And on Audible, man, it'll get you moved. It'll, it will get you moved to tears probably. Fantastic book. The Body Says No. Another book. The Body Always Keeps Score. I forget the author off the top of my head. Those are really good books. Uh, How Emotions Are Made is a fantastic book. And it really just challenges, punches in the face right now, the scientific paradigm behind emotional responses and triggers. And you know how I think. You know how I think. So long as we keep people thinking that they have no ability to respond to their triggers and they're just slaves of their triggers and they are their trauma. I had someone tell me that pain forms who you are. We're formed by pain. And as long as you want to let the pain form who you are and identify with your pain, then yeah, that's true. Right. But if we're only focusing on the pain, then where's our gratitude? Where's the wins? How are we not formed by the wins too? Right. We're formed by the pain, but overcoming the pain helps us form our highest self. Right. Sorry, I kind of got off tangent there. I do that. But anyway, so, so yeah, that's it, like, that's, there's the truth and there's not the truth. <laughs> I mean, that's all there is to it. Gabor Mate, Body Keeps Score, Body Says No, In the Realm of Hungry Ghost, How Emotions Are Made. And, you know, those are, those are some pretty good re- references some pretty good resources. If you got some time and you've got a, like a really big appetite for deep, heady, heavy concepts, you know, dabble around in Dr. Carl Jung for a little bit. Like, really, he will challenge you. He will give you resources and exercise and real drills to where you can go deep and into yourself. And I, I recommend if you are to do something like that, get some sort of guidance, you know, either through a coach or through a group or something like that, because just dumping into or jumping into your subconscious can be dangerous. It can be really dangerous. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I got. That's some anecdote there. Rick, what's up, brother? <laughs> rockstar. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. I lived a rockstar life for a while, but that's why I do this now, man. Like that almost killed me. But yeah, I hope I hope you guys found value in that. And like again, this in by no means is like uh, trying to trying to call anyone out or anything like that. It's just trying to share my share my side and my perspective. And and it's all good and grand to to learn, guys, and and to study. But like apply that shit. Whatever you're learning, whatever you're studying, apply that stuff. Like and see if it actually works because you will be shocked at the stuff that you apply from those books. And this is coming from firsthand experience that you apply from those books. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't freaking work. It doesn't work at all. Dismantling events. It doesn't work. It does not work. Getting in touch with the first time you felt man, all that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It gets you to a certain place. But after that, it's like, what's next? All right. If you doubt me, look me up. Let's book a call. All right. I will prove it to you. Guarantee. I guarantee all my services, guarantee all my programs. All right. And there's a reason. And if they didn't work, I couldn't guarantee them. Could I? All right. Uh, if you guys ever need any help with this or anything like it, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm here for you at all times, d- day or night, Monday through Sunday. You can reach me 406-241-3763. You can reach me on email, jerry at biohackingtruth.com, coachjerryhlc at gmail.com, or what is it? Coachjerry.fit at coachjerryfit or something like that. I don't know. I got so many damn emails, just just pick one. All right. <laughs> or DM me, <laughs> reach out to me direct. I don't care. But if you doubt any of this, let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. All right. Ooh, there's some, there's some, some good, good comments here before we go, I'll pop these comments up. All right. Oh, this person works with people. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So we got here in my work, I have a few 
prior alcoholics talking about trauma being suppressed and addiction being then to another poison, which is usually sugar. Now we have severe physical on top of emotional. That is such a great point. I wish I could see your names, guys. I can just as Facebook user here. That is a great point. That is addiction swapping, I believe is what it's called. And that is, yeah, that's where we haven't really come to terms with like how to, how to integrate this into our lives, like how to actually dismantle this, right? The pain, the discomfort. I'd be curious if this was like a type seven in the Enneagram here, but that's just right. So it's like we swap one addiction for another and it's usually food-based because food's acceptable, right? We, we're supposed to eat. We can buy sugar with food stamps. Like it's all good. Right? It's all fine. It's sugar. But yeah, that, that's where you have a severe, but not, not only that, but like the confidence issue there, right? When they realize it's like, it's like, I can't just like stop doing these things that are bad for me. And I keep picking up this other one and this other one and this other one. So that one, that person could have severe benefit from recognizing what their pattern is. Like, what is your pattern? Where are you getting stuck? Why are you getting stuck? And we have to trace that back to their false core and, and their personal beliefs about themselves. So that's just one step. I'm sure whoever this is, um, whoever this is, I'm sure you've got an excellent system. Um, yeah. I'm sure you got an excellent system and you're helping those people get through whatever they need to get through. I have no doubt. All right, guys. Have any other? Mark, Flozzy, Bozzy, B, buddy. Love you, man. Um, Jacqueline. Oh, that was Jacqueline. Okay, Jacqueline, thank you for that. Yeah, Jacqueline's wonderful, you guys. Uh, look her up in my comments. If you don't follow her, please follow her. She's amazing. Awesome person. All right, guys. I hope you found value in that. If you did, I like I said, I apologize if I was all over the place. I was kind of in a weird, weird place when I started. But but yeah, if you found value in that, please share it. I'd really appreciate it if you did. Um, you know, a lot of people need to hear this stuff. A lot of people need to hear this stuff. But not only that, like if anybody is disagreeing with me, I'd love to challenge, you know, reach out to me. I'd be happy to address anything for you. So what do we got here on Instagram? We got some comments on Instagram. Lacha710. I hope I pronounced that right, my friend. I find cannabis is best for pain, mental well-being, as long as you stay away from the garbage food. Yes, I'm a big fan of cannabis as well, as so long as we don't turn it into a major addiction. But that being said, of all the alternate or of all the options we have on this earth, the ones that God gave us are great. And uh, yeah, exactly. If you can get away from the appetite issue of cannabis that <laughs> goes along with it, you're better off. And uh, some people have a lot of trouble sleeping, getting to deep sleep if they if they consume cannabis too close to bedtime. So that's another thing. And then obviously you don't want to be consuming cannabis during the day when you're supposed to get your creative high and, uh, you know, getting to your dream life. So some people claim they can smoke and be super productive. I'm I'm not here to doubt anybody. Like I'm sure it's possible. I'm sure it happens. So Let's see if there's anything else here. All right, guys, I appreciate you all for joining. Cara, Bridger, Joe, um, Dale, Oliver, Natasha, Zena, M.A., Ryan, Lacha, Mark, Rick on Facebook, Jacqueline on Facebook. Thank you guys for joining, tuning in, contributing with your comments. I really appreciate it. And like I said, if anytime you guys need any, any guidance or someone to talk to, I'm here for you. This is why I do what I do. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Share, comment, like, subscribe. I don't know what it, all, the, all the shit you're supposed to say, right? That I'm saying it right now. All right. If I missed it, I said it. You know what I meant. All right. Peace, much love, and live well. Take care, guys.